Hello there. It's been a week of disruption for the GEA with the postponement of Kerry and Tyrone due to COVID-19 issues. But we do have a big All-Ireland semi-final to look forward to with the meeting of Dublin and Mayo tomorrow. And if history has taught us anything, it's that Mayo need a really good start. Niall Scully gives it back. Dublin go for the juggler. This is James McCarthy. Are they in for a goal already? They are. The ball put into the back of the net by Dean Rock in 13 seconds. What a start. They went for the juggler straight away. And Dublin lead by a goal to Mayo's no score. We haven't even been, even been playing for a minute. Uh, Dermot O'Connor just chipped the ball in from the 65. There is the whistle. It is all over. And Dublin have made yet more history. This remarkable team have now won their sixth consecutive All-Ireland senior football title. The legendary Sean Boylan joins us on the show to call Dublin a Mayo and also give his opinion on the Kerry-Tyrone encounter. Keith Higgins wonders if Mayo can record a famous win over Dublin, while Shane Downing looks back at the career of Brendan Maher and discusses Peter Casey's availability for the All-Ireland hurling final. Two-time All-Star and Mayo legend Dermot Flanagan tells us about his dual qualifications for both Mayo and Dublin, how he has dealt with All-Ireland final heartache in the past and his remarkable fundraising drive for the oncology unit at Mayo University Hospital. And Roscommon GEA chairman Brian Carroll speaks of the excitement in his county ahead of Sunday's novel All-Ireland Under-20 football final versus Offaly at Crow Park. Now, delighted to have Sean Boylan on the show, one of the finest men in the GEA, both on and off the field. Just, Sean, first of all, how are you keeping? I have great form, thank God, Damien. Great form. Great, thanks very much. Good to hear that. We have a, a big, big yeah. game at the weekend, I suppose, a game that is going ahead, Mayo and Dublin. Sean, just your thoughts on that firstly, before we, we get talking about anything else. It's a great opportunity for both teams. It's a great opportunity uh, for Dublin to find their mojo again. And it's also an amazing opportunity for Mayo probably the most extraordinary team of all time. They're like the resurrection, the way they come back and the players <laughs> that they find and so on. And uh, it has the makers of a cracker, an absolute cracker. Um, like everything else in sport, you learned a long time ago, when it comes to a true horse race, there's no such thing as a favourite. And, um, you know, a lot of the lads who are playing for Mayo now, they've never experienced an all Ireland semi-final, which is brilliant. They're, they're, they're brilliant and it's great. And um, they're well capable of winning. But Dublin are also well capable of coming, coming back and find their mojo again. You've uh, built and rebuilt me teams as well. And the Mayo rebuilding process looks fairly impressive so far, Sean, even if they don't win at the weekend. Yeah, that's right. But um, I know that I know that um, the man in charge of Mayo, uh, he'll only be happy if they do the business because that's what he would call rebuilding. You know what I mean? Just as regards Kerry Tyrone then, Sean, I suppose we were all looking forward to a, a cracker of a, of a second semi-final. Uh, that game has been put back by a week. There's a lot of commentary about it all this week as well, Sean. Um, where do you stand? It's been postponed by a week, but don't think Tyrone are totally happy with that. And I think the GPA have come out and had their view on it as well. What do you think about the whole situation? First of all, it's good it was put back a week. But like, um, I'm going to be personal here. I experienced COVID. I experienced losing 10 kilo in six days and getting pneumonia with it. And it was the most frightening thing that ever happened to me in my life. And I would be like an old man compared to these lads, and I am. But when you get somebody, when they get COVID properly, with the natural vitality of youth that's there, it nearly destroys it, it wrecks them. And everybody thinks that they can go out in two or three or four days and play again. It's absolutely nonsensical because... The human body being what it is, when you get a virus that upsets your whole chemical balance, because they're good athletes, I think they can recover in 10 days, but I couldn't see them recovering in four or five days. No, not in hope in hell. I would have seen it with one of the main lads last year who got it, 
and how it affected him. And like when you go out and you go out in Crow Park and you don't perform, there's no point in saying, well, sure, I had the COVID. And the truth of the matter is that I know that club championships have to start, but there's no reason why in the other 30 counties that the club championships couldn't start. You know, I, if I, I'd rather be safe than sorry. And what we have to do is we have to, we, we have to make sure, you know, we talk about player safety. It's an All-Ireland semi-final. If you're not right, you cannot play football. And that's it. And I know if it was the lads that I was involved with through the years and you were faced with it, yes, you would go out. But you like to think that everybody would have a fair crack at the whip. And I think that it's been a bit premature saying it's going to be right in six days. I'd just love a medical report on it. That's what I would. If that was there, and I'd be happy. I have no vested interest in the blessed world here. None whatsoever, except that I want to see lads being able to do what they're what they what they set out to do. Like you take Dublin hurlers, you know, and they lost four players just before the the match against Kilkenny, right? Not enough time for anything to be done. So let's be cautious here. Let's do the right thing. I suppose COVID has been in and around the Tyrone camp since the Ulster final, and that's a number of weeks back. Do you have sympathy for for the GEA and the administration in trying to first of all cater for Kerry's preparations? And I guess too, as you say, Sean, the club championship, a lot of people are keen to, to get that sorted out as well. And maybe a final point too, GEA are probably looking at the remaining games of this year's championship and they're probably probably maybe concerned that similar cases might hit other counties. And I suppose there is an urge maybe to get the, the championship completed because uh, the numbers in the Delta variant yesterday were, were quite scary, maybe 1,900 cases of COVID right. in the country again. I understand the situation with Crow Park, or when I say Crow Park, I mean the GA, because um, and like a remarkable job has been done with hurling of football last year. We've just okay. got to take it as it is and deal with it and take it on the chin and 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 um, make sure that we're doing the right thing for for the for the lads who will be playing sort of Sunday week. I suppose the final word to you on this, Sean, you would maybe encourage people to have a look at this again and maybe consider putting it back by another week despite all the, the issues that we've just discussed there? Look, at, I, look I, I, and I know from being in the situation, look, we had an All-Ireland replay in 1988 because there was a run, run of the Tour de France here in Ireland. The All-Ireland final played the 13th of October. And like sometimes things totally out of your, out of your, out of your control happen. And that's why I'll be making sure that the medical people that you know, are, are consulted on this and go by what they say. Fergie Logan and, and Brian Dewar shouldn't have to talk about this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They shouldn't have, like, that's not, that's not fair. Their, their job is to prepare the team, get them right. But, like, how can you bring lads in if, like, there's brothers and the, so you have close contacts? This is a very different situation. You were involved in the GEA all your life, Sean, and, you know, you know the, the structures and the administration and the, the calendars, but you're kind of just saying this is a bigger thing than anybody, any of us could expect it, and it's, it's exceptional circumstances, and just to have a look at it again. I would, yeah. That's what, that's what I'm saying. And, like, um, oh, and I know the disappointment is something, when something is put off and you're prepared for it and so on, and it's tough, very tough on Kerry, but I'd like to think that, God forbid, if the same situation is happening in Kerry, that Tyrone would would feel the same as Peter Keane has done. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whatever has to be done, has to be done. Sean Bylan, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Damien. Thank you. Okay, time for the tactics board. And as always, it's great to welcome Shane Dowling and Keith Higgins back to the show. 
Uh, I'll come to you first of all, Shane. Uh, breaking news last night, your club mate Peter Casey has been cleared to play in the All-Ireland Final. How much of a boost to Limerick Hurling is that, Shane? It's huge, it's huge, Damien. Uh, I suppose first and foremost, it's a it's a massive boost to to Peter and his family. Like you know, they've obviously are like Peter himself has put down a very very difficult four or five days now at this stage, and um, very stressful four or five days as well. Especially I suppose when 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 they knew they were going to go go ahead with the appeal. And um, I listen, just I think relief is the, is the overriding emotion. Like you know, I don't think like some you know you know sometimes a crime doesn't fit you know exactly or the the you know what you do doesn't actually fit the crime and to be fair I don't think there was any malice in what Peter did and uh, just because it was not Ireland final I know there was a lot of talk about you know that he doesn't deserve to miss not Ireland final I suppose at the end of the day rules are rules whether it's the first round of the league or not Ireland semi-final and uh, I, I'd imagine that's the way the CCCC would have looked at it and obviously thought that um, the evidence that they brought to the table was enough to overturn it so it's, it's, it's brilliant for him Shane, just on that, I suppose sometimes, I suppose, like of Peter Casey nearly kind of goes under the radar sometimes as compared to some of the bigger names around the Limerick forward line. I suppose, like, I know you're very close to him, but like, what does he bring to that forward line for Limerick that's different to the rest of the boys? Yeah, but I think to be fair, like his his brain is is just like his hurling brain is just unbelievable. Like, and his hurling is is just like he's probably one of the most natural forwards that Limerick have in terms of hurling ability. And like, generally when he gets the ball in his hand, like it, something productive always comes from it. And like that's something that I would advise anybody to look out for is that when he gets that ball in his hand. Generally, he sets up a score, scores himself. Like you very rarely see him lose possession, uh, and like he, and I think the, the reason you say that, Keith, is because like Peter could have four points in play, and nobody would know any different. Do you know what I mean? Some people, like some lads, would get two or three points, and they could be monster scores, and they could be the most talked about. But with Peter, like he just seems to get the ball, do the easy thing, and flick it over. And more often than not, he has three or four points in the board. So he brings a huge amount, and especially the way uh, the, the Limerick team is set up this year, like he's a he's a huge cog in that wheel. Keith, that was one of the biggest stories of the week, obviously. The other big story was the Kerry-Tyrone COVID case. Uh, in Mayo, you've had your own experience of that in recent weeks. Um, just how frustrating, upsetting, disappointing uh, is this kind of ongoing saga for, for both teams, Keith, as we approach an All-Ireland semi-final that's due to be played next week, but you can see from Tyrone there's pressure on to put that by a week again. Yeah, I suppose probably frustration is the, the main thing there, really. Um, Look, I suppose we don't know exactly how many of the Tyrone panel are positive, how many are close contacts. Um, you know, so from their point of view, obviously there's not too much getting out about it. So, look, I suppose the only thing is, you know, the Tyrone camp are saying they need a bit more extra time. I suppose it again really comes down to, you know, how many of the panel are actually positive, whether there's symptoms there, whether they're sick. You know, if they're just close contacts, I suppose they're only missing out on the kind of collective train the boys are doing a bit at home. So it's not ideal. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as disruptive as maybe people are making out it. Um, but like I said, it's it's not the preparation you want coming into an Lauren semi-final. From a Kerry point of view, look, they'll just be using the mentality that it, it is what it is. They have an extra week to kind of get to fine-tune their game plan to, to work on things. So, um, yeah, look, it's not ideal. It's frustrating. Um, but at the same time, I think you probably see both camps are nearly kind of trying to use it nearly as a psychological edge to give them when they come into the final but definitely carry an advantage if there weren't an advantage before that I suppose Keith you were just saying there that like you know you don't think it's as disruptive as people might are making it out to be like looking in from the outside I would think it would have to be hugely disruptive like 
huge amount of the players have COVID so let's not forget that they actually could be quite sick from that because I think sometimes yeah. we, we kind of lose that you know if you're a young lad you, you, you'll be fine but like some people are actually getting very sick especially from this Delta variant so looking from the outside in one is that they could have very sick players two is that they can't train for 10 to 14 days I mean surely like that that's a disaster for them like yeah, well, I suppose, look, that's kind of what I meant there at the start, that we don't know how many of them are actually positive, how many are just close contacts, you know. So, um, like I said, some of the guys might be very sick, some of the guys mightn't have any symptoms at all and might be able to just do their workouts and stuff at home. They'd still be doing everything kind of over Zoom, have their meetings, looking at the tactics. Um, so, yeah, look, I said, look, I said, it's not an ideal situation, but again, I suppose it really just depends on the number of guys that are actually sick and who can't do anything at all. If you have... 10 guys who have been sick and can't do any sort of training well then obviously there's going to be a knock-on effect for two or three weeks for them guys before they're actually fit to play a game you know if you have one or two and the rest are, are symptom free and are able to do their workouts at home and are able to do everything else then i'm not sure like i said it, it's as big um or as, as disruptive as people are making out so i suppose it just depends on what the exact situation is up there shane i suppose look that's mm-hmm. the thing we haven't heard exactly how many players are positive how many players are feeling sick from it that type of thing so um, yeah, look, it's it's the type of thing when you don't know the exact details, it's hard to give an exact kind of answer on it. But from my point of view, we're thinking, look, management, we're kind of trying to get some psych- sort of psychological edge from it as well. Um, and just be ready to go all guns, all guns blazing then on, on Saturday week. Yeah, another big story from the weekend, Shane, was the retirement of Brendan Maher. Still a young man, but on the road an awful long time. I am sure you've come across him uh, in close uh, confines as well. Can you frame what he's done for Tipperary and for the game of hurling in general, Shane? Yeah, listen, I've come across him on many occasions, uh, Brendan, a, a top fella as well, like, you know, and I don't say that lightly because there's plenty of <laughs> plenty of players out there that, that aren't top fellas and I, I wouldn't say it if they weren't, so he's a sound, he's sound them, as a bit... Huh? <laughs> Could you name them for us? <laughs> <laughs> Another day, demo maybe. Uh, but listen, his sound is a bell number one. Uh, he's obviously a fantastic hurl that goes without saying. Um, like I think we saw yesterday on social media, like clips of the various things that he's done over the years. Uh, you know, in terms of his skill set. But in terms of his, like he, you know, obviously got has had some some injuries. Like and as you said there, demo, he's on the road a hell of a long time. And I mean to to, to be there from twenty ten into twenty sixteen, like you know, and then and and captain them then as well, like so. Uh, to have three All Irelands is, is an unbelievable feat, actually. Like I, I think that kind of goes under the radar a small bit, and um, you know, I, in, in his prime, Damien, he was, you know, pound for pound as good as any of them Tipperary hurlers in that era. And like obviously, you know, he showcased that with his club in Bursley as well when they had that fantastic year. Um, you know, and they relatively came out of nowhere. I mean, let's call a spade a spade, and like went down to beat a hugely fancy belly gunner team in, in a Munster Club final. Um, so listen, I think what he has done for Tipperary and the legacy that he has left uh, will, will never be forgotten and will always be remembered. Keith, before we finish off this slot with with me on Dublin. Do you want to throw in your tuppence work there? Because without knowing anything about your philosophy in hurling, and I, I know from early years you're a, probably a top-class defender, but would you see a, a lot in Brendan Maher that you would have admired yourself? Absolutely, yeah. I think you know you just have to look, I suppose, at a lot of the appreciation messages and tweets that have kind of gone out over the last couple of days to fully appreciate the high regard he was held in all over the country. You know, um, Look, he would have always been, I suppose, the mainstay in that tip defence there for years, but I think... As Shane mentioned there, the run they had with the club there a few years ago, it probably really kind of showcased the full array of skills that he has. You know, he was up hitting freeze, he was up hitting points from play, um, he was manning around that, that middle third, whereas previously you probably would have just seen him as a kind of a, a half-back midfielder with the Tipperary, you know. So, um, you know, absolutely, he's he's going to go down as one of the, one of the greatest tips had. And, you know, for a guy who kind of captained minor 
and senior all Ireland. It's some feat. So um, yeah, I suppose like I said, all the kind of appreciation that he's getting these couple of days and next week will be well uh, well deserved. Keith, I'll, I'll be straight about this. Is this the time that a really really impressive young Mayo side can take down? A kind of vulnerable-looking Dublin team, and I know that's maybe fantasy land for me to say that. But what do you feel? Um, yeah, I'm kind of a bit torn on it, Damien, at the moment. To be quite honest, um, you know, while from with your Mayo hat on, you'd love to say that. Yeah, look, there's a really good, energetic team coming there. Um, they play the way that James Horn really wants them to play. It's high-pressure game, full of running, high tackling um, up the pitch, and like I said, just nearly brave in what they do and how high they press the kickouts and all that type of thing so yeah you'd have to say that if they can bring a performance like they brought in the second half against go in the kind of final if they get the likes of Paddy and these guys driving up from defence that they can cause Dublin problems I think they really have to have a good start the next day have a really good first half and probably be ahead at half time um, and leading into that third quarter because like we've seen with this Dublin team down through the years they will just control the game if they get ahead at all. They will kill any momentum the teams have. They're happy to hold on to the ball for two or three minutes to build a score. Um, and like I said, just kind of drain the life out of the team. So, you know, with, like I said, with the Mayo hat on, you have to say they have a chance. I suppose the one area I might see them struggling is just wondering where they'll get enough scores to beat Dublin. I think people are talking about Dublin being on the demise. And yeah, I suppose, look, when you lose the likes of a Jack McCaffrey, Stephen Cluxton, some of these guys, they're, obviously you don't have the same type of panel. But at the same time, I think they're still averaging 119 a game in the championship so far. So to get 18, 19 scores against Dublin is going to be a tough task, I think. Do you think the situation around Stephen Cluxton is a little bit surreal? Evan Comfort is there now and playing quite well, but just the way the whole thing has been handled. I suppose it is a bizarre situation again that no one really knows. I suppose Desi's comments at the time were that the, you know he could come back, but so no one really knows whether he's gone off the panel, whether he's retired, what the situation is. Um, which is strange coming from a Dublin camp where I suppose everything was always under Jim Gavin. You always knew exactly what was going on, you know. So um, it is a bit bizarre, but at the same time, I suppose, look, Evan Comfort has kind of proven this year in the league and championships so far that he's he's as good as keeper as what's out there. I suppose mm. so Saturday even will hopefully be the game where he's kind of put under a bit of pressure from the kickouts with that high press that Mayo will bring. Um, and we'll have to see whether he can step up to the plate or not. You know, you'd have looking at him over the last year, even previous games he would have played for them he looks a very composed type of guy so whether or not they'd be able to rattle him or not is the question but um yeah it, it's going to be a key area I think look you could you could look at that game Damien and you know you could pick out so many areas there's key matchups and key battles all over the place but like I said what kind of results Mayo get from pushing on that kick out could go a long way to determine how well they do Okay, so in your book then, a uh, good start, pushing up in the kickouts and working hard to get the scores. And maybe, just maybe, Mayo could do it, Keith. We wish you the very best of luck and good luck to Dublin too. So thanks to you, Keith, and to Shane for joining us on the Tactics Board this week. Former Mayo footballer Dermot Flanagan won two All-Stars and seven Connacht titles in a fine career with Mayo. Tomorrow on Saturday, August the 14th, he and a number of county teammates will cycle to every GEA club in the county to raise funds for Mayo University Hospital's oncology unit. In 2017, Dermot was diagnosed with a blood cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He underwent treatment in 2018 and remains in full remission. So the fundraising drive is a huge undertaking, Dermot. But before you tell us all about that, can you explain how you qualified to play for both Mayo and Dublin? I was born in Balahaderin, and in 1961, in 1966, my father was appointed Minister for Health 
and he moved the family to Dublin. I went to primary and secondary school in Dublin. Um, I was playing minor football for Rohini Gales at 17. The Dublin minor team were looking for lads and uh, I had a discussion with my dad and we discussed the fact that I could also play for Mayo and I was happy to go down. went down to Brafie, had my first try game, got a lovely reception from Austin Garvin, the manager. Some of the lads came over to introduce themselves. They knew my grandparents from Ahamore and the rest is history, as they say. Dermot, how have you dealt with or approached the All-Ireland final heartbreak that Mayo have had through the years? All of us who've gone onto the field to play know the feeling of uh, not uh, winning. Um, and we would wish that any player who plays for Mayo would realise their life's ambition to win an All-Ireland. Uh, at this stage, uh, my family are unique. Our father, the only captain to win the All-Irelands twice. Uh, and we have a sense of fatigue. It's time long since that we should have handed the baton over as being the family of an All-Ireland winning captain. So it's simply time for that. So just how impressive are the current Mayo team then? What's the, the main area that's impressed you, Dermot? The most remarkable thing is the transition that James Horn and his management team have managed to achieve with a very significant number of players retiring. And yet the players who've replaced them seem to be at their standard. A remarkable uh, achievement in such a short period of time uh, and these uh, current crop of new players remind me of what Jim Gavin did. He took Pat Gilroy's team that won the All-Ireland and he introduced young players. It energised the older players and set the standards even higher and that's what I wish for this team right now. Can they catch Dublin? What do you make of the Dublin team of 2021? Can they catch Dublin? Uh, I don't look at it that way. I think it's about Mayo setting a standard uh, for those, uh, for others to uh, reach. And that's what happened in 1950 and 1951. Um, to use a military leader's expression as follows, you can never choose your battlefield. God does that for you. But you can plant a standard where a standard never flew. Finally, Dermot, tell us all about your fundraiser. In 2017, I was diagnosed with a blood cancer. I received treatment in 2018. I'm in full remission and uh, I decided uh, to contact my teammates from 96, 97. 25 years later, we're all still alive. Uh, I decided I would uh, cycle around my home county um, and visit every GA pitch in the county to raise money uh, for the oncology unit. And I have fantastic support from all my teammates, the management, and now the people of Mayo. And while we were on the battlefield of sport many, many years ago, 25 years later, we're in the battlefield of life. And that's the purpose of um, this gathering. Firstly, to raise money for life's challenges, including cancer. And secondly, to have a reunion uh, on day eight. Thanks for all your support too. Grand, no problem, Dermot. We wish you every success with that. Now, these are exciting times for both Offaly and Roscommon, with the two teams meeting in Sunday's All-Ireland Under-20 final. Tickets are as scarce as hen's teeth, with 24,000 allowed at Crow Park. Much has been made of Offaly's huge progress in recent months, in all codes and off the field as well, but Roscommon chairman Brian Carroll joins us now. And Brian, Sunday's final is massive for your county as well. Yeah, Damien, it's building the excitement is building here in the county. Uh, there's great excitement around since the 
the final whistle went last Saturday evening in Breffney Park in Cavan. You know, Roscommon don't get to All-Ireland finals every year. And uh, as you know, the people of Roscommon love their GA. They're mad, passionate about GA. And it's it's part of everyday life in the county. And, you know, you don't meet anybody in the county unless the, the GA comes up in conversation. So, you know, definitely it has caught the imagination of the whole county. This this team has really caught the imagination of it uh, since they started out in their first game uh, against Leitrim and, you know, moved on from there. And I suppose... The Connacht final win then was 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 massive against against Mayo and Castlebar. It uh, it really kind of got people talking about the team, and I suppose the frustration that day was that only five hundred people was able to go to the game, and so many people hadn't seen this team in action. And then they got to see them on Saturday night against Cavan, and a uh, fantastic win on Saturday night, and that has really got people got people really behind the team, and and you know so many people in the county are so excited about Sunday. Uh, they know the massive massive challenge we have against Offaly. Uh, Offaly have beaten who were, I suppose, were the hot favourites to win the under-21 for the last couple of weeks. They have beaten um, Cork in the in the semi-finals. So, you know, there are no doubt they've beaten Dublin and Leicester final. So we're, we're scamming and, and the team and the management are no doubt that it's going to take the game of our lives uh, to win on Sunday. And that's what the lads would have to do to try and win. They'll have to give it everything and, and make it the, the biggest performance of their lives to, to have a chance of winning it. We know that they're that going to be very strong, but... Look at everybody is is very much excited. They're all looking forward to it, and and the ticket um, hunt has been going on for the last couple of days. And you know, look at I suppose everyone is is just looking forward to it. And as we're all are, you know, we're, we're absolutely delighted. And it's all I suppose coming along nicely. And and you know, underage work is going on. A lot of underage work that's unseen is going on at the moment. Uh, we were unlucky last week in the Connacht minor final, beaten by by Sligo. Um. And as as you know, we're we're Connacht under twenty champions as well. So it hasn't been a bad year for underage. A lot of work going on, uh, a lot of continuous work going on, and that's that's what we're trying to do, Damien. Trying to keep keep it uh, keep it going as much as we can, and you know, trying to keep funds coming in and trying to raise money. And we have Club Rossi working uh, excellently at it, and they're you know have been very very successful in in, in raising funds. And that's the county like Roscommon that you've got to keep doing, and you've got to keep working at it, and trying to keep keep underage teams coming through and developing underage teams as much as we can. And, you know, also the bigger picture as well, developing our infrastructure projects and that kind of stuff as well. So, look, there's a lot of work going on. Uh, we continue the work, but uh, a win on Sunday will certainly uh, make all that wor- work uh, worthwhile. Well, that's it for this week's show, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. The programme was produced by John Farrell. Patrick Carney was on sound. From myself, Damian Lawler, stay safe and we'll chat again next week.